Hi guys, I have a guest for you today and I'm going to let her introduce herself and maybe if she has a favorite scripture, she can let us know that as well. Sure. Hi, um, Alyssa Sangster and I'm Carrie's cousin <laughs> and I, um, my favorite scripture is Psalms 139, 13 and 14 for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Oh, that's a good scripture. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, now, tell us what you do. I mean, I know the title of what you do, but um, but explain exactly what you do and um and why you're passionate about it and how long you've been doing it sure so i uh, am the ceo of an organization a nonprofit called forte foundation and our goal is to inspire women uh, to be business leaders and we work with a lot of big companies and business schools that want to um, have more women in their ranks and we are kind of a, a a diversity organization that really looks at the pipeline of women from college all the way through kind of professional and uh, what those kind of, you know, opportunities they need for advancement and what kind of support we can give them, um, things like that. And so I've been doing that for about 18 years. And before that, I worked at UT Austin and I was the assistant dean for the MBA program. And that um, really kind of led to this job because I work with a lot of um, women getting their master's in business administration and all of our partner schools are also connected to uh, the MBA. So it was kind of a natural progression, but most of my career had been spent in higher education. My dog is trying to get in and out of the office. Yeah, I guess, yeah, just leave it cracked. It's all right. And I thought it was going to shut it and it was going to be better, but anyway. (laughs) That's all right. You know, that's, that's the way, what, how we are right now, you know, we're all working from home, but you've been working from home for a long time. So how did that change from when you started to now? Um. You know, it's been interesting because when I first started, I was the only employee. So when I left UT, I worked in an office where, you know, 25, 30 people were in my on my team. And I went home and I was kind of all by myself in my house with really, I wasn't married at the time. So I was just mm-hmm. sitting there kind of twiddling my thumbs wondering, what am I going to do to make this business grow? And, right. um, and that's changed a lot over the 18 years that we've been at home. But the one thing about the pandemic was we really didn't have to shift or change because... Mm-hmm. We're all working from home. Everybody was set up in their home offices. And the only thing that changed for me really was the travel. And so I used to travel a lot more than I do these days. I'm sure it's going to pick back up. But for now, it's kind of been nice to have a little bit of a break from going to airports and yeah. things like that. So Yeah, yeah. Well, and what what is one thing um, that you wish you had known before you started the nonprofit? Um, well, I, I don't know if there was a particular thing I wanted to know. I know that when I left UT, there were some things I was looking for career-wise, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was interested in um, in being more entrepreneurial. So when you work for a big university or a company, 
you have a lot of bureaucracy. There's yes. kind of a lot of rules. And uh-huh. um, as much as that was fine, it was interesting to me to grow something and build it that looked or was shaped a little bit more the way I would want things to be. Um, so I definitely was interested in, in, I am a builder by nature, and that's kind mm-hmm. of my, been my career. Every time I go somewhere, I'm kind of looking at something new and trying to make something that hasn't existed before. And so that's where this job took me. Um, and I think I was interested in fundraising, and I hadn't done a whole lot of that at UT, um, a little bit, but not much. And this job really was all about financial growth because we wouldn't be able to be where we are if we didn't have funding. And so we had to find partners. We had to convince companies and schools to um, support the organization. Um, and so that was a muscle I really hadn't flexed. And then I um, I think I really wanted to just be more, um, uh, I guess, do more speaking. Um, I'm not, I don't really need to be a motivational speaker or anything, but I like being kind of um, forced to practice those skills that present and try to persuade people and, uh, you know, being comfortable in front of a crowd, all of those things. And I'd done a little bit of that at UT as well, but I thought this would be a good opportunity for that. Okay, that sounds good. Well, now, all of that, because it has been a few years, so how has the whole journey changed you? Oh. I know you probably already kind of sort of touched on it, but. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. I think it, um, I I guess the change has really just been how difficult it seems like it would be to go back to the workplace. And Mm -hmm. after 18 years of doing this, I mean, some people spent two years doing it during the pandemic and they're not ready to go back. I think they found Um, the flexibility and the, um, the concentrated time and the not feeling distracted, all of those things led to them saying, you know what, I work better out of my home. And when I left UT, I had no idea that that would be the case. I thought almost immediately I started looking for an office somewhere, like where could I go? And then after about three years, I just thought, I don't, I don't want to do an office. I, I don't like that. So um, for me, that changed that surprised me, but definitely I'm not, uh, I can't imagine now having to go back into the office to do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, that's maybe kind of a minor change. Um, definitely I have a lot more confidence. I'm definitely at this point an expert, I would say, mm-hmm. on pretty much anybody that's thinking about getting an MBA, men, man or woman, it doesn't really matter. It's kind right. of the standard process. I'm kind of very, maybe maybe more knowledgeable than almost any school person because they don't know all the different schools. Um, So I'm really an expert on that. And I'm also, um, you know, an expert around women and women's advancement and getting into business and and all of those things. So, you know, I've, I've honed in my skills and that was different from when I was just at UT and I was managing a program. Now I've spent 18 years really focused on women's advancement in business. So. Yeah, well, in those 18 years, especially at the beginning, was there any time that you felt like you wanted to give up? Were there, was there anything that made you want to feel like, oh, this is, oh, this is hard? <laughs> you, know, you know, the only thing, I'm very um, half full kind of person, and so I say there's not too many times I wanted to give up. I have loved this job, and I've loved the journey. Yeah, the times awesome. you want to give up are really the times when somebody, um, I, I, you know, and it has only been a handful of times, I would say, uh-huh. that somebody has made me feel like they either didn't um, like what we were doing, they uh-huh. didn't agree with what I was doing, 
they they spoke in a way that may, was very demeaning. You know, mm. there's a couple of times like that where you get really discouraged because mm. you don't understand. And so, you know, you just have to reset and say, okay, well, that probably was more about them than me. And mm-hmm. um, most people that really have issues with what you're doing figure out constructive ways to talk about it. And when it's not constructive, it hurts, I think. And so yeah. those are the times when you just thought, ugh. And sometimes the world just seems so out of, you know, crazy. You just want to step back and say, I'd like to get away from all of this and not have in charge of anything that's trying to make a difference in the world because it seems almost impossible. But um, those those moments are fleeting for sure. Yeah. So you would say it really does help to be passionate about what you do because then those moments, those discouraging moments are fleeting. Yeah, I think so. I think passion, especially working for a nonprofit, um, I think that really helps. Um, But I I will also say that I was passionate about MBA education. And so when I was working at UT, I loved my job. And and I worked at A&M before that, loved all of those things. And so that was something, it was still a university, but um, it wasn't a nonprofit. But I felt, um, you know, I just felt very connected to the work I was doing. And I would say, I also feel connected to this work, um, and I think that helps anybody, no matter nonprofit or for-profit, um, if you've kind of connected with what you're doing or the impact it's going to make, I think that makes it, uh, it, it fuels your daily work effort, because otherwise your tank uh, runs dry, and you're looking around for something else to fill that tank up, and, you know, if you're going to spend eight hours somewhere every day, mm-hmm. you'd like for it to be the fuel right right and and it probably feels good to know that you're helping people right it does and there's daily feedback in um nonprofit and and especially in the nonprofit i work in um Mm -hmm. because women are very expressive of their thanks and i think maybe in the corporate world sometimes you don't feel that and you that's part of what disconnects you but um one of the things that's been hard about the pandemic though is not being in person and you know, I could sit, I could go to an event and we would be there for four hours. And at the end, when all the women were streaming out and leaving one by one, I would just be out there saying goodbye and just having them tell you how much they appreciate what you're doing and how much um, it meant to them and what they learned. All of those things really do make you feel good as well. Yeah. And that, that's kind of positive reinforcement for the time you've spent working on it. Yeah, that's awesome because, yeah. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's the positives and the negatives <laughs> yeah. during this time and just trying to figure out how to pivot during the pandemic. Um, so what advice would you give someone wanting to either go into the nonprofit business that you're already in or just any non or nonprofit whatsoever or there is there any advice um you know it kind of depends on who you are and what kind of job you want Mm -hmm. and um and it might be more general career advice than specifically a nonprofit but Mm -hmm. um, I mean I think we've covered uh passion which Mm -hmm. I think um depending if you're early in your career it can sometimes be hard to find work that is your passion and so i would say to the women early in their career um 
not to be too concerned about that, that in that early part, you're really learning skills that make you valuable to your employer later on. There's definitely things you're doing every day that are of value, but you're trying to create your own unique work persona that you're going to go out and um, share with the rest of the world as you progress in your positions. And so I think really becoming an expert in something, making sure you, you also um, build all of those skills that are really critical for success in whatever kind of industry or company that you're working in, um, and not worry so much about every single day I have to be changing the world. And I think we live in a world right now that talks maybe too much about having to be completely 100% satisfied with every aspect of your job. Oh, yeah. Uh, in order for it to be a good job, you know. Yeah, because there's always, there's always going to be parts of it. The, the parts that you're passionate about are the fun parts. Yeah. But there's always the other side of, you know, I mean, when I was doing parties, I loved the planning and I loved the parties, but I hated the cleanup. Right. But that's just part of it, you know. It's just yes. part of it. Um, well, there's is there cleanup anything? in every job, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's good and bad, and you just got to outweigh, you know, the pros and the cons. Is there anything specific to nonprofits? Because as a nonprofit, um, you really have to sell yourself a little more, right? Because right. you're bringing in funds. Is there any advice there? Um, well, I will start with the nonprofit that um, that I run mm-hmm. um, is that most of our donors, our, our big uh, revenue streams really come from the business schools and the companies that we work with. So in order to get those funds and uh, steward them well, mm-hmm. You have to have a quality product. You have to um, think and um, behave the way they do, because if you don't, then you're going to not meet expectations for them. And so we always say we're kind of a nonprofit that acts like a business, even though our Mm -hmm. bottom line looks very much like a nonprofit. The way we engage with our clients and our um, partners is very professional. Um, And I would say that uh, you know, that's kind of generally just a, a way of operating. And then I would say for, for somebody interested in getting into a nonprofit, um, I think you do want it, the passion to align. Like I always said, I didn't really want to just work for a nonprofit. That was never my goal. And sometimes I hear people say that. Mm-hmm. I, I really am about nonprofit work. And you have to also be aligned somehow because it is hard to go and do nonprofit work mm-hmm. and not be able to articulate your story the story of what's going on in your organization, the transformation that's happening, why it's an important thing to have your nonprofit in the world and, you know, what that impact is. And so I think you you do have to have some alignment there. Um, and then I would say, you know, be, be prepared that sometimes things don't happen as fast in a nonprofit because the funding is either not available, we're trying to raise the money, we're trying to grow, we're trying to do something different. So there sometimes has to be a little bit more patience in terms of execution. Some people, you know, perceive that as, oh, it's always easy at a nonprofit because things move slower. But um, I think you just have to be patient and you have to be thrifty and crafty and, um, you know, thoughtful about how to, you know, make things happen on a very lean budget. Those are a few things. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
Well, now, what are some things that you have read um, or that or listened to that have really inspired you? Um, well, you know, Audible is kind of reading and listening at the same time. Right, right. <laughs> so I will say that I, I do listen to a lot of books when I walk. And mm-hmm. when I travel, I listen to them a lot, too, but mm-hmm. as well. Um, but there's, um, I think before all of the racial injustice stuff happened with George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor back in early 2020, kind of around the pandemic starting, Mm -hmm. um, I had already read a couple of books that I just thought were really enlightening. And I've told so many people, one we read in book club and it was called Just Mercy. And um, it was Brian Stevenson's book about, um, you know, really advocating for people on death row and trying to get some of them who had been wrongfully accused or sentenced um, out of prison. And it was just a very interesting read, I thought, mm-hmm. um, because of all of the different things that had happened 40 years prior to those men being taken out of incarceration um, and how they ended up where they were and, and really just some of the injustices, some of the very sad stories of people with uh, mental um, problems who were sentenced to life in prison, and really there was no reason for that. To right, be they didn't get the help that they really exactly. needed. Exactly, they did not know how to get the help, and they were not offered the help. Um, so there's just some, I mean, I just think it's a fascinating book, and at the same time, right around then, I read this other book called by Isabel Wilkerson. It was Pulitzer Prize winning, I think, called The Warmth of Other Suns, and it was about the migration of um, African-American people from the Southeast mm-hmm. and how they went north to New York, they went to Chicago, and they went to LA. And it follows real people who went to all of these places. And again, it's a part of history that I had never really read or understood. And, and as I read all these different things that were going on in these other places, um, you know, you just realize it didn't necessarily get better just because they left the Jim Crow South they went off and went to these other places and there were good things about it but there was also a whole undercurrent of bad things that kept happening and so to me those um those things were really moving for me and um you know then everything happened uh with George Floyd and and I I don't know I just it was it was a interesting read but also just very illuminating I think about America and how things have happened in our country. Yeah, because, you know, depending on where you were, you grew up and how you were grew up and there's so many factors. Um, there are so many factors to um, why some people understand it a little more and why some don't understand it. Um, we have to be gracious to everyone because sometimes if you're you haven't lived through it you mm-hmm. won't really understand it and and then of course like i just said if you if you didn't experience any of it also as much as you want to understand it you're not going to understand it 100% just because it's not something that you really um experienced or yeah Yeah. it's it's very complicated because people do 
you, you don't want to make yourself, uh, I, I don't feel like I'm an expert in any way about any of it, but right. I'm happy to have at least absorbed what I could from those books and books like those that, um, you know, are, are nonfiction books mm-hmm. uh, written by people who just did an immense amount of research and activism and, and things. And so for me, it just helped me understand a little bit more. I, I talk to people about it all the time. And it's, not only that, both of the books are beautifully written, just amazing stories of what they tell you about the people. So they're really nice, nicely crafted in terms of the, you know, reading um, and they're, they're really literature. So um, anyway, that's, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's always good to put uh, our feet in someone else's shoes and try mm-hmm. to understand what other people have been through and yet also give grace to those that aren't going to fully understand it because it's just not, you know, something that we know personally. So yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting and we do have to try. um, And I think that's what's important is that we're trying and um, hopefully we all will get where we want to go in that respect. Um, we all know that racism is not where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, who are three people that have been most influential to you? Hmm. Let's see. Well, I, I always say I had a boss at A&M who was re- the reason I'm in the career I'm in. First right. of all, she hired me to be um the assistant director of admissions at AM's MBA program. And she was just really, I, she's still a good friend. And she is someone who I still check in with when I go to College Station. We go have lunch. I've stayed at her house with her, she and her husband. Her, her husband actually taught me political science my freshman year at AM. And so yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we go way back. Um, and that was, I didn't even know her at the time. I just knew him. But um, anyway, she's just, somebody that was invested a lot of time in me, gave me a lot of guidance, professional support, um, encouraged me to move to my next role after leaving A&M, and was just somebody that I always, uh, you know, she raised four boys. Um, They were young whenever I was working for her, and she was Hey, that's an accomplishment in itself. (laughs) Families in my life have four boys, and I have to say, they're all very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I had one, and that was challenging enough, but love him, love him, won't have life without him, but yeah, and four boys, woo, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Anyway, so that, she's, she's one. I would say, you know, uh, Jeremy, my husband, has been very influential, and, and, you know, he's just, we're, we're actually very much alike, but we have very different, um, you know, approaches to things, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have a lot of good foundational things that are the same, Um, and, but we got married quite late in life, I mean, we were 35 and 39, so Mm -hmm. we were um, a little bit older, and, and I think a lot of people think when you get to be that age, it's hard to meld your lives um, because you're kind of set in your ways or something, but it really worked well for us, and, and I would say, though, he's done a lot of really good things to influence me, um, and of course, my parents, you know, they, they're, they're just, they're still always there, always, you know, supportive, always want to be around and involved, and um, 
you know, involved in my daughter Anna Lee's life. And yes, your parents and, are inspirational. They really yeah. are. Yeah, yeah they, I agree wholeheartedly, yeah. even though I, I, I don't live close, <laughs> so I don't get to experience it. I do yeah. see it on Facebook, and I do, yes, they're in yeah. my heart, definitely. Oh, nice, yeah. They're 81, you know, and, and uh-huh. for the viewers out there, and it's it's great to have them around. I think we're both lucky to have our parents, and, and it's hard when you lose one. And um, anyway, I'm, I'm just thankful for all that they've done. Um, I've, you know, I've had some great people I've worked with. My bosses at UT have been amazing, too. So I, I could go on and on, but I, yeah. I think probably the. Yeah, and our parents have are are really the ones that instill the hard work in yes. us, you know. Yes. very hardworking um, family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's where we, we get that motivation from. Um, so. Now, here's here's an interesting, a, a debunking question. What is one thing about what you do that you want to debunk? Because there's always something. People think one thing. Yeah. Um, well, I think um, because of the work I do, I'm often um, in rooms where people are much more liberal than I would say I am um, mm-hmm. politically mm-hmm. Um, probably kind of moderate to conservative. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think, uh, you know, it, that I also think that sometimes even the conservative people in my life think maybe I'm a lot more liberal than I am in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, social things. And um, so I don't know, maybe that, um, you know, just because you're passionate about the, you know, advancement or support of, um, underrepresented groups or helping the disadvantaged to be, you know, to, to have all that they need to have to have fulfilling lives, you know, that that doesn't make you so much of a raging liberal as it just does a compassionate person. I mm-hmm. I joked, I was over at our aunt and uncle's house actually, you know, maybe a year ago and I was saying something like I was gonna make up this write a book about be um be, be liberal like Jesus or something like that, where mm-hmm. you could talk about like what, when Jesus walked around and looked for ways he could talk to people or impact them. I mean, he didn't go to the top of the heap and try to convince the top of the heap that they were doing something they, they should do. He went to the very meager existing people and, and looked for ways to help and to encourage others to help. And, you know, I just feel like Sometimes, um, even as maybe a Christian body or as churches, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. get that mm-hmm. that is our primary. I mean, obviously, sharing the love of Jesus is the primary, but doing that in a way that connects with your community and helps your community. And sometimes we we just forget that that's what we're here on earth to do. And so I I feel like um, you know my job is. Um, is doing something really focused on women. And I think uh-huh. women have been disadvantaged for many, many centuries. Uh-huh. And I don't think Jesus really wanted it that way. I don't think women are better than men, but I do think women deserve to have opportunities that men have working and advancing into top jobs and making uh-huh. a long salary. And that's their, wh- whatever they choose to do is their business. It's but not having that path open to them should not mm-hmm. be. Right, path. right, right. I definitely get you there because um, 
being a female entrepreneur, I, I see, uh, I, I do see that, and and I, I get it. I get what you're saying. You know, yeah, money. It, I mean, just it's hard, funny. and yeah. and you have these things sometimes in the back of your head. Even though I did, even though I did pretty much stay home with my kids until they were school aged. You know, there's a lot of people that judge you whether you stay home or whether you work, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, I did stay home with my kids, and then I did go back to work, and then I've done some things that were entrepreneur, uh, I can't say the word, but I know what it is, entrepreneurial, Um, but um, I have had thoughts in my head, it's like, okay, should I, should I? Should I want to own my own business? Is it selfish to own your own business? You know, we are full of those thoughts that come at us. And then we we don't know what is true and what is not. And it's very important to know that we can, yeah, we can do it. And, (laughs) yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this this part of the conversation but I agree (laughs) (laughs) and I think people listening understand what we're trying to say and even though I'm fumbling with my words here no 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 um but what is your vision for the next five years it could be your personal vision or the nonprofit, your career whatever you want to tackle in that yeah I think um well, I mean, we mentioned that I have an 11-year-old, so those are kind of critical years, the 12 to whatever, 17, um, mm-hmm. so really just surviving that and, and, you know, not only surviving, but doing it well and mm-hmm. making sure that I'm present and available and all of those things that are important during those years. Um, I would say I'm very involved in, um, you know, school volunteering, so I do a lot of work with the PTO and I'll continue um, doing those kinds of roles. Um, And then job-wise, I'm definitely excited about the prospect of getting back out there and traveling a little bit and doing some of our events. Um, And we're we're on a strategic planning kind of journey to grow the organization, and um, that's going to continue over these next five years. And then, you know, as she starts, I'm, you know, as I said, older parent, and so as we get towards high school graduation, you know, I'm really already thinking about, is it time to retire? Is it, what am I going to do part-time? You know, I yeah. don't know exactly. I don't, I'm not desperate to stop working, but, right, right. you know, what's that going to look like? So, you know, we're having conversations about where are we going to be and what are we going to do? And I'm not too, that's not 100% of my day because there's an right. you know, organization to run and there's so much opportunity for our, you know, for Forte Foundation to do new programs and to, um, you know, really work for new audiences. So there's a lot of growth in the organization. Um, but at the same time, you know, five years from now, I'm probably going to start thinking about um, the retirement side of things. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, me. now this wasn't in my notes to ask, but I'm now very curious. Um, when you were traveling in your nonprofit, now, did you talk to schools? Do you primary go to um, colleges, or do you go to any high schools? What does that look like? Because I've never really asked you these questions before. Um, most of our 
programming is done, um, it might be done at a university campus, but a lot of the time it's at a company or it's at a hotel. Um, and so we do, um, like, you know, in May, we're going to have an event called the Financial Services Fast Track, and this is just mm -hmm. an example. And we'll have 125 women who are going to enter the an MBA program in the fall join us at that event. And it will be at a company in New York, and we'll be there for two days, and we'll have programming all day that's run at that company. Mm -hmm. And then we do the invitations, and we market the program, and we, we give travel stipends for them to attend. Um, and then we host the event and then we do follow up. And, and our job is to really keep them, those women connected with the companies because they want to eventually hire those women after they graduate with their MBA or give mm -hmm. them an internship. And then in June, I'll go to LA, the opposite side, and we'll have an MBA conference for all these prospective MBA women. Um, there'll probably be 700 of them that come to that event. And it will be everything they need to prepare for their MBA program and their internships. And so we have 50 companies that join us. We'll have 700 women. We'll have a lot of speakers. We'll do a two to three day conference um, with all of our partners, our companies and schools at a hotel at the one in Die Hard where Bruce Willis comes down the elevators and mm. the West, the West. Oh. And <laughs> yeah. So that's what we'll be in June. And um, it'll be a crazy It'll be fun and yeah. lively, and we'll, we'll do a whole ton of programming. Those are our big events coming up. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you don't really go into, the, like, the high schools and start talking no. about it there. We haven't done high school. We do college. So on our 60, we have about 60 college partnerships, and we're working to establish uh, student clubs on all mm -hmm. of those campuses. And so that's not 100% done. We're kind of just getting all of that started. But um the idea is that we'll have a student club and that we'll be able to kind of infuse the campuses through those student clubs. But um, college is still kind of a growing place we're building. We're definitely more mature as an organization in the right. MBA space. So we have not gone into high school, mostly focused on growing college right now. Okay. All right. Well, how do you stay motivated? I don't know. How do I stay motivated? Stay I told you. Motivated. I, I, um, hmm. Stay, I stay well grounded. Stay grounded. Um, stay motivated. I, I don't know. I don't need this hard work ethic kind of, I don't need yeah. a lot of motivation every day to love working. And so yeah. I do love working. Um, and, well, and it comes back to the passion for what you do. It helps yeah. in motivation, right? Yes, and, and I will say, though, I kind of am a person who likes change, and so I love doing a lot of different things versus mm -hmm. doing one thing, and um, so I enjoy volunteering some. I enjoy, I like to exercise. I like to read. I like to travel a lot, so mm -hmm. I like to do things with my girlfriends and um, my family, and I, so I just feel like kind of checking all those boxes is mm -hmm. what keeps me motivated, um, but you know, primarily those are, those are the things. <laughs> it doesn't take much to right, right. fire. <laughs> yeah, well, we already touched on it. So what are some of your hobbies? Reading, traveling? 
Yes, I do love to read. I am in a book club. Um, I've always been an avid reader, even not being in a book club, um, you know, earlier, but I, I definitely enjoy that. Um, a little bit I, of genealogy, I guess. I do love genealogy. I'm in the Daughters of the American Revolution, and we talked about that not too long ago, and I, um, I, I have been going to monthly meetings there, and I don't, I feel like genealogy, though, is kind of consuming, and if I do too much of it, I I kind of go into spurts, like I'll be six hours working on it, and then I won't go back to it for three months, and mm -hmm. then I'll six hours. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I do enjoy that a lot. I, I like to travel, and um, my daughter loves to travel, so she's always trying to pick something new for us to go and oh, okay. something to do. So that's kind of fun just to have Yeah, those. that's fun, because I think um, even Doug and I, we've decided – that um, experiences are going to stick with us more than all the little things that we could be buying. <laughs> yes, yes, experience yeah. so much, so much more satisfying. So uh -huh. I, I agree, the memories of that and the being together and doing those things is really important. So um, I don't know, I, I do a scrapbook, um, uh -huh. but I've been trying to get a lot of that into digital form. And um, so that's, exhausting and interesting all at the same time because there's just so many pictures oh, and so I know. Like you can't ever catch up but um yeah but and I don't ever out. print any of mine out so I don't know it's it's crazy yeah um what about collections what um, do you collect? collect a lot of pictures. <laughs> <But> <laughs> pictures yeah you're not um, the only one <laughs> yeah no I I do um I'm trying to think of what I do collect um I've I uh, I collect uh, teacups, and I hmm. have um, different. Yeah, see, that, I don't know. That's a problem for me. Too. Yes, I bet it is. Or a real we problem get that? for is me. Are genetic? All right. Yeah, teacups. Yeah, and dishes. That's that's my uh, my. I think I I think I've now mentioned that on almost every podcast, so people are going to have that pretty much memorized. But now we know you've got the same. You like that? Dishes or something like it must be in our DNA. Was what I was saying. You know, like we have some kind of thing about dishes. But I, yeah, because your mom loves dishes too, and my mom loves dishes. Oh yes, they yes, that's true. And so who knows why we're the way we are? But I, I was going to say shoes because my closet is full of shoes. Um, and uh, I guess that's probably the other thing that I buy the most of. Um, but yeah. I do like art, and I have, I, I don't know if you know that um, Uncle Tom, I, I kind of put him on the spot, and I asked him to draw a, um, a an original for me. I wanted him to create, you know, he does so many yes. things. I know, you know, when it's yours, you don't really want to give it away, but I was like, I know you don't want to give me these, but I really want one that you you made, you know, that's like the original, not a copy or something. Anyway, he um, he made me a, a print of the McNay uh, Art Museum here in San Antonio, and it's the original McNay house that is on the property, and so he went and did a um, like a, a pastel or a watercolor of the of the house, and it's really exciting. Look, oh, neat. Yeah. Oh, so nice. I, yeah, like art. I can't afford a lot of art, but I, I, I like to buy kind of things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's neat. Um, well, if money were n not an option, what would you do every day? I, I probably travel. <laughs> I would, I would move to Hawaii. <laughs> ah, there you go. I would, I would live, live on the beach. <laughs> yes, I, I would live in Hawaii and just 
you know, never look back. That would be my plan. My, I'd have to buy a lot of sunscreen, but I would enjoy being there. <laughs> so. All right. Well, since we're almost done, what do you want listeners to know that I did not ask you about? Anything that we didn't already cover? Hmm. I feel like we covered a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah we, we, I guess I could say I, I didn't introduce myself very well, but I live in San Antonio and I've lived here for eight years and lived in Austin before that. I've been in Texas my whole life, just like you. So, yeah. well, you, you were, you've been in other places. You lived other places. Oh, there. that's true. We, we have lived other places, Colorado, Montana, Montana. but mostly, mostly Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, where do listeners and viewers connect with you online? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on I'm on all of them. Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram. I don't do a lot of posting, so right. I, but they can look for Forte Foundation. Just yes, ForteFoundation.com, right? Uh, it's dot org. So oh, okay, dot org. Um, but yeah, and we're on Facebook. Forte is. Um, and all of Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything. So if anybody's, you know, inter- interested in Forte, for sure. Yes, absolutely. All right. Now, what does being organized mean to you? Um, I like to be organized. I'm, I like to be orderly. Um, I am not um, so concerned about having a label on everything, but I am. Right. I like to have a place for things, and I like things to be picked up. I don't like a bunch of stuff sitting around. My my office might be a little bit messier than the rest of my world, but um, I, you know, I, I'm, I love a good trip to the container store and <laughs> trying to yeah. make sense of everything. I, I went and bought some things in my fridge that were just like little plastic clear containers the clear ones. for the fridge. And I just, I was so happy that day that I had reorganized my fridge and put things in bins and in the freezer. And that I, that gives me a little bit of um, wind beneath my wings whenever I come back from the container store. I actually did my jewelry drawers where I put all of my earrings and things into some stuff I got at the container store, like stackable little, you know, uh, jewelry. A little clear with the little drawers. Well, no, it's, it's, it's like flat, and you stack them, and you can get, like, a, a piece of a thick plastic, like, lucite over mm-hmm. the top of it, mm-hmm. and, and there are little uh, velvet pockets and things in the... Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, it's, they're called stackables, I think. Yes. So and they, sale, that's when I went and bought them, when they were all 20 or 30% off. So you can keep adding to them, right? Yes. Yes. I, I, hopefully, I'll just clean out what I don't need or wear anymore, because I don't need to buy more but it's just nice for it to all be in its place yeah yeah a big drawer just full of stuff so I I like the feeling of that it makes me happy but Uh it's sometimes um I I don't feel like I always get there because I'm not very detailed I'm kind of um yeah I miss some of the detail my husband has that in spades and Uh so I try to defer to him on all the detailed stuff yeah yeah as an entrepreneur since most of my businesses, I've created it for me. Um, those are where I do have, I am detailed, but um, but as a person in, in general, yeah, I'm not super, super detailed. I mean, mm-hmm. I've gone to church, and we have a huge church. 
I've gone and they've said, oh, look, it's been painted. Don't, don't you love the new color? And I did not even notice. <laughs> yeah. Did not even remember what the color was before. I mean, I'm sure if it had went from white to red, I yeah. might have noticed. But, um, yes, I do not, I'm not a super fine detailed What's your favorite, I mean, but don't, you love to organize, so. Yes, I do. Um, What's the motivation? um, In my home, I just liked everything in its place. I do also like the look of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, none of us are perfect because, collections of dishes are maybe a little much um Mm -hmm. i think the um some things i organize because it has to be visual for me i have to be able to see it but then there are other things that i don't want to see um i want it all hidden away Mm -hmm. maybe the things that are all hidden away are the things that i do put labels on so that I'll remember where I hidden away, because that's a problem for me. My memory isn't as good. I can have a purse with so many pockets, and even though it's just a purse, not remember, and I'm going through every single purse. So um, having too many details can be overwhelming for me, too. Um, But I do like, now, I do like home edit, but it has to work for me. Yeah, yeah. I like It has to be, yeah, work for me. It has to be as, and I heard an organizer say this, and this is so true for me, it has to be as easy to put away as it is to leave out. Yeah. And so my bins are usually open bins, Mm -hmm. um, and those are the ones that are probably, you can't see anything in them, and they're open bins. And then I do love to see some of my craft items so I do have those in clear containers and try to make it very decorative um so where are you the least organized mine's I think everybody that's been listening to my podcast already know because I have all my party stuff in my garage that's probably the most cluttered and it's organized but if you went in there no one would know it was organized but me (laughs) yeah yeah um I feel like my junk drawers are not always as organized as they could be, and sometimes that's really like a cathartic activity for me on a weekend is just to say, today I'm going to get this junk drawer and this junk drawer reorganized, and I like that activity of going back and doing it. Um, And then I would say, we mentioned pictures earlier, just getting a handle on all of that. Um, Again, Jeremy has done so much work online of all of our photos and grouping them by months, and but just um, you know, I feel like I have a lot of scrapbook stuff and a lot of photos that I just need to purge mm-hmm. and haven't done that. Um, yeah. Closets full of clothes that need to go to get donated somewhere or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But mostly I'm, I feel pretty organized. So nothing's like just yeah. blowing up anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So which area are you the most proud of? Is it the refrigerator or do you have another area that you're the most happy with the organization. Um, I like my jewelry thing oh, that I yes. So I have to say that was really the best um, because it looks so pretty. And I, I, we had just remodeled our bathroom and I had this long drawer. And so everything fit perfectly into that drawer. 
and so I just wanted to take pictures of it and put it on. <laughs> if I only had a blog, you know, put it up there to show everybody how nice it looked. And, um, and so I, was, I was pretty pleased with that. I also, when we remodeled our kitchen, got we, we live in an old house, and so we got this pantry thing that rolls out, and so all the pantry is together. So I really like that, too. It looks super nice and organized oh, and neat. turn all my spices around to face the front and you know things like that i yeah. i used people used to make fun of me a long time ago when we all had uh, vcrs and um i had all the vhs tapes and i had a list of every i had organized them by alpha order all the movies i owned and then i had made a a list so that they could see all the um different videos if they wanted to pick mm -hmm. something to watch i mean it was a <laughs> That was back before I had a kid, so, you know, I could do a lot of things that I can't do now, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I've got a, do you have a, do you craft or sew? I know you're. I don't sew. I don't have a sewing machine or, um, yeah. You haven't I, 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 I started and, quilting or anything. No, I cross stitch and I hooked rugs and I do needlepoint sometimes. I've done those kind of more needle crafts than I've done anything else. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we might better end now just in case we get um, thrown off because I know it's a 40 minute they give you on here. Oh, okay. So I think we're going to at least end and stop recording. Guys, thank you for listening and thank you for watching. We'll talk to you later.